when you fail in the home, when you're discipling your kids, you are also showing them a realistic view of who you are. You're not perfect and that's okay, but we are following a perfect God who is full of grace. And so what can we do when we do mess up in those discipleship moments? Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And also, Thais Brecky. Me. You. (laughs) I didn't know what to say there. (laughs) Our uh, new Director of Family Discipleship, and we have you on here for episode number two, uh, talking about uh, what does discipleship in the home look like? Uh, How do we approach this without being overwhelmed? How do we take some steps in the right direction to pass on the faith to the next generation? And uh, so... We talked last episode about what the word discipleship means, why um, the kind of the shift that we're, we've made from children's ministry to family ministry. And yeah, so um, not going to go for a joke this time like we did. That was a great joke last I, I episode joke. too. You have a joke? I always have a joke. Sorry to pass you up. But it's okay. <laughs> Do ahead. you want to hear it? No. Sure. Oh. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so this is a two-part joke, and Thais, I don't think you've heard it, so I'll, I'll tell it to you. So, uh, why was six, um, oh, why was six afraid of seven? Is it because seven, eight, nine? Yes, well, seven, eight, nine, but why did seven eat nine? Well, he skipped lunch. <laughs> That's a good answer, but no. He heard it was good to have three squared meals. Nice. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> Once again, you don't get that yeah. unless you're a little older. Yeah, it's an yeah. algebra joke. So. Yeah, so maybe middle school? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty good. I don't know if like, middle schoolers still laugh at jokes. Yeah, it Fifth gets harder. Fifth grade does, yeah, sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah, I think sixth grade would. Seventh grade, they would probably give you a good eye roll. Too cool for school. Pretty satisfying, yeah. too. Well, I wanted to begin with uh, this question of what have you noticed? Okay, you're new to Nebraska. You're new to Kearney. Um, you came here from Indiana, mm-hmm. from Elkhart, Indiana. Yep. That's a good hearty name for a... Elkhart. Elkhart. Yeah. It's like Lionheart, but yeah. Elkhart. I like it. So has there been any like difference that you've noticed culturally or just all the above as you've moved to Nebraska? The first thing I noticed was it just takes five minutes to get anywhere. <laughs> and I love that. It took me about 25 minutes to get mm. to work or, you know, to the store about 20 minutes. So you can do many things within five minutes. And that is nice. It makes like biking plausible. Ah, exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could maybe do this. Yeah. yeah. You could just, just for your life. You could just Except for the wind. consider it longer. Yeah, yeah. The wind. The wind is not my favorite thing about Nebraska. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's part of the price tag. Anything else that you've noticed? No, that's it. (laughs) The short commute time. Short Short commute, commute, yeah. That stood out. We had uh, James Hayes on the podcast, you know, months ago, and and his answer to that question was the really, like, loud, junky trucks. Trucks, yeah. That race up and down (laughs) 2nd Avenue. See, in Florida, we had a lot of trucks. So maybe that got used to it. Were they lifted? Oh, yes. And did the guys yep. work, driving wear cowboy hats? Some, not all, but yeah. You need to get those big antennas. Levi's. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> Some nice accessories. Yeah. But then there's other things trucks have that are inappropriate. So, yeah. yeah. So I just see all these trucks that are like, I'm like, oh my gosh, get a muffler. Yeah. Smells bad. Get some, get some decency. Yeah. Some of their bumper stickers. Right. It's just a part of the shtick, I guess. It's, it's inexcusable. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, ministry, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, so trucks. Yeah. Yeah. The harvest is, is <laughs> out there. Um, so we're going to talk actually a little bit about a book, um, a book that we have been influenced by and that you've read too. Um, what's the name of this book? Spiritually Vibrant Home or The Spiritually Vibrant Home. Okay. Give us a kind of the, the breakdown. Like how would you describe this book? So this book took the research from Barna um, that they did in 2018, I believe, um, about what a good, vibrant, faithful home looks like. And um, it was Don Everts that wrote this book. He took that research and then he took what the Bible describes a household should look like and he just blended it into one. Hmm. And it has a lot of um, good information, but my favorite was towards the end of the chapters. It had a lot of good tips and tricks to to implement this in the home. And um, hmm. he took this and he broke each one of those into kind of three parts. The um, baby step, the first thing you should do, and then, okay, amp it up a little bit more, and then, okay, blow the doors off, um, just full throttle mm-hmm. uh, for, for that specific section. Hmm. Okay. Cool. That's great. I mean, I love the way that they kind of break it down into steps mm-hmm. that you can grow because... I think a lot of times in any area of life, but especially when we're thinking about our families or our own faith formation, that we can just throw our hands up and, and give up and yeah. say, I'm out because I tried this and I didn't do it. Well, it's almost like when you're trying to start a new health regimen, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym every day for 90 days. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm like, three days in, you're like, you failed, you know, because hey, three it was days too is hard. an accomplishment. Yeah, I know. Right. It takes me about one. Let's just try three days. <laughs> yeah. But you have to break it down into achievable goals mm-hmm. that build right. themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even when you fail that it's um, realistic because as a Christian, just individually, not in the household, you do fail. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you don't always remember to read your Bible or to pray in, mm-hmm. you know, those high stress moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you are, when you fail in the home, when you're discipling your kids, you are also showing them a realistic view of who you are. You're not perfect and that's okay, but we are following a perfect God who mm-hmm. is full of grace. And mm-hmm. so what can we do when do, we do mess up in those discipleship moments? Let's laugh about it and then move forward. Yeah, that's a good point because it's like we're Christians, like one of the base, most basic ideas of being a Christian is to admit your faults, your failures, your sins, mm. right? That's like kind of ground level it's stuff. It's like entry level, yeah. But we do tend to forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we should expect it and know how to respond. Well, and we don't want f- discipleship in the home to become legalism, mm-hmm. right? Because like mom or dad could be sitting in church and hearing the sermon about, hey, we gotta, we should bring our kids to church and we should talk about faith in the home and then maybe mom or dad says all right guys we're doing this (laughs) right 
and we're going to have family devotions every night, and we're going to read the Bible, and you're going to like it, and everybody's going to be happy. <laughs> it's like, whoa, <laughs> that's zero to 60. And, and sometimes we might even, because here's what I think a lot of times legalism comes out of our own guilt. We're managing our own guilt. And so we might notice that our kids are not all that excited about church, and maybe because we haven't taken them from you know, an early age. And we're going to manage that guilt by kind of doubling down and hmm. like micromanaging. Reminds me of the Lego movie, the little micromanage. Yeah. Like, yeah. Send in the micromanagers. Send in the yeah, micromanagers. The, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> like we're going to do that with our kids' faith formation or yeah. our own. But we need to have some grace, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we're like anything goes. But we want to have some grace and admit our failures, um, I think that's been one of the best moments for me as a as a as a parent is when I've told my my kids I'm sorry. Absolutely crucial, I think. Yeah, and to say, yeah. you know what, your dad is not perfect. He's a sinner just like you, and he needs the mercy of Jesus Christ every day. And so, will you forgive me? Yeah. Because I said I would do something and I didn't, and I disappointed well, yeah. you. you and know. I remember. You know, this we could talk about this for the rest of the podcast. I oh, yeah, think just sure. this one concept. But yeah. if you ask someone for forgiveness, like that, you have authority over. You're demonstrating that you are not a tyrant. Hmm. You're not just arbitrarily in power over them, but you've been given authority. You've been given the power to shape them, and so you're acknowledging that you have someone to, that you're accountable to, hmm. who also might um, call you into account. And so you have to say sorry sometimes because <laughs> it's like, I messed up. It's not my standard I'm trying to hit. It's God's, God's standard. standard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're not just a tyrant. You don't just listen to me because I'm bigger than you, kid. You listen to me because uh, we both bow to the same God and that God put me in charge. <laughs> so you can use it to, <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> to establish you. healthy boundaries, but yeah. also I'm not making it up. Yeah. I've been given a, a position of authority by God, and I have to do it well. And that's why we're going to church. Yeah, because we both need to repent. <laughs> we both need Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's kind of break this down a little bit. Um, like, let's just talk about worship. Can we do that for a minute? Mm-hmm. Like, because going to church every Sunday, making that a habit, that's pretty countercultural. Hmm. Maybe not 50 years ago, but now it is. There's so much that competes for our attention. And maybe we're trying to get back into the habit of being in church. Can you just talk to us a little bit from the book or from your own um, you know, experience? What, what are just some things that families can do to make church, both the getting there and the being there, <laughs> um, just a positive experience? So from what the book said and just um, my own experience just uh, finding little ways to to make something um, a little bit of a celebration when it's difficult so there's um, I think reward might be the wrong word for it but um, finding those those moments where after worship you can talk um, to your family about what you learned so not Mm -hmm. just crossing that off as a to-do list okay we went to worship as a family Um, now we're just going to go home and divide and, you know, do whatever, but 
taking worship as this was an experience that we went through as a family. Hmm. Let's talk about that because that was significant. We didn't just sit in the church pew mindlessly listening to pastors preach. We, Hmm. we experienced something. We witnessed something remarkable if it was a communion Sunday. Um, And so talking about those things and that could mean having a special meal just on Sundays at home Mm -hmm. or deciding to go out. But but setting that time to intentionally have those conversations with the family, Mm -hmm. I think, would lift up what worship means as a whole family. That's a great idea. This idea of celebration. Mm -hmm. And you you meant you mentioned not reward, but Mm -hmm. celebration, because Mm -hmm. celebration, we're marking that we did something special and let's go celebrate it at Perkins yeah. <laughs> and talk about it. <laughs> the yeah. place to celebrate. Yeah, you go to Perkins and get some pie. Um, Run, Runza, if you're in Nebraska. Oh, yes. Go to Runza, well, get an ice cream cone. Well, if you think <laughs> of, of Sunday as a mini Easter, what yeah. do we do every single Easter is we dress up and we, we go out to eat. We have this whole feast mm-hmm. because it's Easter. So why don't we do that for every other Sunday where we do celebrate that mini Easter? Let your that kids eat all the food they're not allowed to eat. Yes, the deviled eggs yeah. every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I always comfort myself with, uh, with donuts on Sunday. I normally don't eat donuts during the week, trying to keep it healthy. But um, I tell myself that Sundays are the day that I should eat really bad food. <laughs> <laughs> because Christ was raised from the dead. And I will be raised from the dead too. <laughs> there you go. So we're going to go at this and celebrate with uh, the donuts, fat, sugar, and salt. You know, nice. So, yeah. I remember uh, actually. I, you were talking about celebration. I had a really, really good friend, faithful uh, member of the last church I served, and he, uh, his wife was not in the church. He had two daughters, and he really wanted to influence them, but he, he was kind of struggling there. They were teenagers, and. Uh, he just started to do that. He just, anytime one of his daughters would come to church with him, he would take him out to lunch and try to talk to him about the sermon, talk to mm-hmm. him about their life. And he said that was a huge turning point, especially mm-hmm. for his younger daughter mm-hmm. in her faith. And it was cool to see her just regularly show up with him and just seem to be really engaging, you know, mm-hmm. when it was, and I think it was that celebration piece, mm-hmm. like, Oh, dad's going to buy me lunch (laughs) and he's actually going to talk. We're going to have a good conversation, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really impactful for her. Can you talk a little bit about like the kids, like in the pews, like just that whole dynamic? Um, Because that can be a struggle. Yeah, it can be. Uh, I don't have kids, but I took my niece Rowan to church uh, for her first Sunday and I was prepared. I had plan (laughs) A, B, C, D, all of the plans for mm-hmm. any possible thing. And my final plan was, you know, a video, of, a compilation video of Elsa on my phone that she could watch <laughs> if, you know, all else failed. But it takes intent, it takes effort and mm-hmm. you aren't fully present in, in the sermon and in the, in the yeah. uh, service. I, I realized that and it was very eye-opening for me because, you know, I, I uh, lead all these things. I'm like, yeah, have the kids in worship, but it is difficult. I understand Hard, that. Yeah. Uh, but it's also incredibly important to have them in worship and for them to see you following along and, and mimicking all these things because they are paying attention to you. So little things um, that you can do are uh, sitting in the front so that, you know, they can see the action happening. Although um, pastors, you might want to mm. do a little dance. 
keep them. <laughs> We're gonna maybe mime. Yeah. 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 But yeah. no, let them see see what's going up in the front. Um, point to different things. The baptismal font. Uh, just you know, little whispers. Hey, do you know what that is? Do you remember mm. your baptism? We can, if you want, we can look at it after service and just pointing these things out. Following, opening up the um, hymn book if you're at the early service and mm. and following along in that and you know singing with them the Lord's prayer and mm. and all these different things, different ways that they can interact in the service. Um, if they're too little, then having coloring sheets. I saw your your boy Joshua had mm-hmm. that catechism, the illustrated catechism, and he oh, was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I noticed because like, is he just coloring or is he paying attention? He was doing a good chunk of both. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. he's not little, little, but but he was paying attention while also doing something that pointed back to Christ. Yeah, I'm, and to that point about sitting up front, um, I'll I'll watch my kids sometimes. My youngest in particular will will look up at the banners and the stained glass windows and will like trace them out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of neat to see that mm-hmm. she's observing the, you know, like the fish and the loaves and uh, the cup, you know, and, and uh, the bread for the sacrament. She's like tracing those out and she's paying attention to mm-hmm. the liturgical art and, mm-hmm. and that's getting deep down inside of her. Yeah, I think that's one benefit that um, liturgy in general, but a liturgical space, you know, beautiful art. Like I'm just right now looking at our stained glass. There's like fish up there. There's uh, Jesus on the cross. There's a sunrise. There's a dove. You know, there's Bethlehem and the star. All those things tell stories, you know. So when we're surrounded by the art of the scriptures and even, you know, the the way that the liturgical pattern on Sunday mornings, like kids catch that stuff. Mm -hmm. They do, you know, they'll learn those liturgical songs probably faster than you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it actually is very accommodating for young kids Mm -hmm. to go to a liturgical service Mm -hmm. and um, to catch on to all those little, little Mm -hmm. bits in there. Those are good things to practice at home too, because Mm -hmm. if you want your kids to follow along in worship, maybe try to memorize the Lord's prayer with them by saying it every night before bed. And then guess what they might do during worship? They mm-hmm. might open their mouth and follow along. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or you could even pick them up and say, hey, let's say the Lord's Prayer together like mm-hmm. we, we've been learning or the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. I also think it's important for the culture of a church to be very child-friendly. Right. I was going to say surrounding yourself with that. This is a community. So mm-hmm. surrounding yourself within the pews of people that can support you, finding those, identifying yeah. those. And if you don't have them, then then find one of us and, and we will help you find them for you because you're not worshiping by yourself as a family. You're worshiping within the whole body of Christ. So how can we gather and help you? Because it takes a village. Yeah, and I can guarantee everybody listening that every single staff person in this church is excited that your kids are here. And we are not going to be upset if they're a little noisy. I mean, granted, there's a time where somebody has an absolute meltdown and they just kind of need some time, (laughs) you know. Uh, but, But I mean, like, I love the sound of kids in church. I think it's a good sound. Um yeah yeah I think you know um you think about just kids are just naturally into what parents are into eventually, 
if they're brought along for that experience, you know, so. Like the Huskers? Yeah, Huskers is a great, it's like if you bring a three-year-old to a Huskers game, he like doesn't care at all, right? He doesn't know why he's there. I mean, maybe he's already kind of caught it, but likely he, it's, everything's new. So like, what do you do? Um, well, first of all, he sees your excitement. He sees your passion. He sees you, mm-hmm. you know, throw your popcorn in the air when the when the touchdown happens. But also, you're going to pick him up and point out things that are going on that are significant, so he can follow the play, follow the game. And yeah, like you said, when you have your, had your niece with you, it's mm-hmm. like you kind of had a different role, right? You weren't necessarily throwing your popcorn when Pastor John made a good point in his sermon but you were making sure that her experience of church made sense mm-hmm. and she could catch it. So I think, you know, there's an intentional role, but it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if mm-hmm. you see that, okay, I'm going to, the same passion that I want to have in my life um, as Christ serves me, as, you know, unbelievably washes me, um, I want my niece to have that same passion and whatever I can do to bridge that gap, mm-hmm. I'm going to do. And it's, only for a time, right, as they grow, so. I think of what Jesus says about, you know, that if anybody's going to find their life, they need to lose it. Mm. And I think that applies to worship too, because sometimes we want to come to worship as an adult and get every single thing out of it. But if you're gonna come alongside your children and, and bring them to worship, you're gonna miss out on some things, but you're laying down your life in a way you're being less of a consumer as a, in, in worship. Granted, it's good to listen to the sermon and get everything out of it. Maybe go back on the podcast and listen to it again yeah, on your morning that, walk, yeah. but, but um, you're, you're kind of laying aside your spiritual privilege for the younger, which is a good thing. Right, when you become a parent, you immediately enter into that disciple-making business. You, are, you, you have a different role as a parent. And so that changes a lot of things. Just becoming a parent changes so many things and, and faith should also be, be that. How are you modeling that for the little ones or the big ones? <laughs>